Looking at the people that it's impacted, Bitcoin turns people into more competent adults than they were previously. It's like if you're already a pretty competent adult, take Bitcoin, you're going to be better at it than you were pre-Bitcoin. As Bitcoin reprograms humanity on like a grassroots level from the bottom up, maybe it's going to be the thing that kicks us into adulthood. And maybe we can skip out. We can go straight to the Star Trek utopia of exploring the galaxy together of, without violence. Hey, everybody. This is the High Hash Rate Podcast. I'm Mike. And I'm Dan. And this podcast is just two plebs getting high and talking about Bitcoin, life, and the absurdity of the fiat world. Our guests don't necessarily get high with us, and you don't have to either. But it helps. All right, everybody. Welcome back to High Hash Rate. So earlier this year, we had a guest, Business Cat, on the show. Unfortunately, I was not able to make that episode. So this is really my first time getting to know him. Uh, so, but we're still going to skip all the orange pills, uh, backstory, uh, like we do with re recurring guests, which is fun because we can talk about a whole bunch of other stuff. So today we're back with business cat. What's going on, dude? Hey, there you guys are. My, uh, my audio dropped out there briefly, but I hear you again. Nice. But yeah. It's great I to did... be back. Uh, I... since, uh, uh, oh, go ahead, Mike. <laughs> I just can't, I I forgot that you weren't on that episode. I completely forgot about it. That was a good episode. Yeah, that was like fun. A, it was a blizzard, snowstorm here in Omaha. Knocked the power out. Right. Yep. Yeah, um, yeah, that happens. For sure. So another fact about Business Cat is that I'm pretty sure that within like the first couple of days of us launching High Hash Rate, you sent us like a pretty nice uh, tip over... You know, it was either Fountain or one of the two. Uh, and it was like, you were our first, in my mind, our first fan. I just want to freeze right there. I do have to at least acknowledge Dave, Mr. Southside, uh, on Twitter. I think he may have been our first fan. I'll have to go back in the records and check. But Dave, uh, if you're listening, thank you, man. I will resume our conversation now. Like with oh, yeah. the episode, it was about maybe a day, just enough time for somebody to listen to it. Boom, tip. And then, you know, uh, feedback from you, you know, for the past almost a year and a half now. One of the Fountain is a really neat new development on top of, well, on top of multiple things, on top of podcast. I've been listening to podcasts for years. And then, yeah, the combination of being able to stream sats to my, to my favorite hosts. Yeah, I was, I was all over it. And it, I'm not sure where you guys came across my feed. It was probably Twitter. Um, but yeah, I've, I've enjoyed your content since the first time it started, started popping up in my, in my podcatcher. Hell yeah, man. Um, yeah, I, I agree about fountain. It's been by far the biggest tool or like the biggest platform that has grown the audience of this show. And I, uh, I think it's really underrated the, the community aspect of it. Like you, like you said, your streaming stats to your favorite, um, shows and your favorite creators and then you're getting stats streamed to you for listening to these shows and then you can like make clips you can just do all the stuff that should be native and it should be available features at like youtube or instagram but it's it's really having not... a comment section is huge yeah and that you can like send somebody 10 20 30 100 sats just to like their comment and your fans are making um, clips of your show that you can just share and that just boosts and gate. It's like this 
they only got like one or two people. It's a really small team that's running the whole show and it's a little bit buggy. It's the beta app still, but their idea is awesome. And it's just like a great place to go and you find Bitcoin content uh, and other people and you can interact with them and you follow them on Twitter. It's awesome. Have you, how many episodes? So since you've been on, you started a podcast, Rock, Paper, Bitcoin. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I that listened to did that. not exist last time I was on here. Uh, really enjoyed you start, it. You started with, with episode 10, right? Does that mean you guys did nine episodes prior to that? Or am I missing we something? Were, there were a couple of episodes. In, so I th- episode 11 will be out tomorrow. Um, but yeah, th- there was definitely a few in there. Whenever uh, Fundamentals and I had a conversation before we started doing all our recording, we did like, right, we're going to record X amount of episodes just regardless of if we release them or not, just to iron things out. And yeah, we ended up not releasing quite a few episodes out of that initial run of conversations. We, sh- we should have gone that route. We did. We had, we had a moment. <laughs> yeah, we had we, we had to take our time to find our But we voice. still sound like we're we're recording for the first time. Yeah, but it's, <laughs> every single it's, episode sounds like it's like we're Yeah, that's us too. Yeah. C- coming uh, onto the scene. So how did you what made you decide to do it? What made you decide to launch it? Podcasts, what made you decide to do it with with fundamentals? Yes, three excellent questions. So yes, I mean, yeah. podca- podcasts had already gotten to the point where like so many people had started a podcast that it was already a, like a, a joke to the point that South Park had been joking about. Oh, m- my dog has a podcast. Everybody has a podcast, yes. <laughs> right? Um, it, but like even like I mean, I, I've been listening to podcasts for years. There was always in the back of my brain like, oh yeah, I could do this if if I had something to say, and I never really. I mean, I've, I've had plenty of opinions in my life, but there was never really the driving factor that I had enough of, um, one, enough of to say on a topic and two, finding somebody that I could have repetitive enough conversations with that we could do that, that, um, that I felt rose to a level that was worth broadcasting in some manner. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, fundamentals specifically. So I, um, I was one of the earlier Bitcoiners in my area, central Pennsylvania, and there was no Bitcoin scene. And so I was like, well, I'm going to have to bootstrap it. So I started the, the meetup for Central Pennsylvania. And I've been just taking that lead now for a couple of years. And so because of that, like I've been, everybody who comes in from Central Pennsylvania inevitably comes through my Telegram channel or through my meetup group. And so I'm like, I get to meet some incredible people. And Fundamentals stood out pretty quickly. Um, his he He took the orange pill heavy and, and and with both arms he he jumped jumped into it very very heavy and because he's he's about 10 years older than me i'm in my mid 30s he's about 10 years older than me so he he has a bit of life experience that i don't and i have a bit of life experience that he doesn't so i feel that our conversations go, go in enough random directions now that yeah we, we're a pretty good back and forth co-host team um I missed this on the last one, but what year, like what, around what time was it when you, you, I guess, not really found Bitcoin as much as like when you went down the, or you took the orange pill and it started to really take over. So I heard about Bitcoin in, well, I guess it was 2013. It was Chuck Schumer and the Silk Road and Chuck Schumer yelling, there's people buying drugs on the internet. That Hmm. was the first time I heard about it. Um, I was, I was still, I was Intel in the Air Force at at the time. Um, and then, so yeah, got out and was in college, used my GI Bill going to college and it came across my radar again. I was, I was doing uh, IT work for the help desk for, for my campus help desk. 
Uh, I was managing the help desk downstairs. And then later my senior year moved upstairs to the actual IT department and was doing uh, like an internship with the IT department. And while I was up there, I mean, that, that would have been 2015, 2014, 2015. Um, that's, I really started getting <laughs> my head wrapped around Bitcoin then. And I actually tried, like I tried living on Bitcoin for a week back in college. Um, that, that helped that my, my bank account just like randomly turned off for a week or two. So I was forced, I had some Bitcoin, so I was forced to live on Bitcoin for a little bit. And, uh, yeah, like even that, so 2015 is when I really started accumulating it. But that, I mean, that was, I was getting into my shitcoining phase and thinking that I could, I was smarter than everyone else and I could outsmart the system. Um, really, I, I always knew that Bitcoin was, was like on a different tier from everything else, but I mm -hmm. had the same idea that everybody else had that, right. oh, well, I can use these other things to leverage myself more Bitcoin. Um, <laughs> and then got wrecked in the, in the 2017, 2017 run up to 20 grand and then the fall back to three grand, I got wrecked. And that was when I think that was when uh, Tales from the Crypt with Marty and Matt came out. And that's really when I started, oh, there's other people out there that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. have realized that Bitcoin's the signal and they're going like whole hog with it. And I should, mm -hmm. and that, so that's what put maximalism on my radar. And yeah, now I'm five years downstream of that. You, you mentioned, uh, back when we were speaking a little bit about podcasts, you mentioned if I had some, you said, if I had something to say, and this is a really interesting concept for me because we all, I think we all start this game and we all have the same thought, like, fuck, I don't have anything to fucking tell anyone. But then what I've come to realize a little bit is sort of the importance of spreading your own thoughts and spreading your own message. Just, I don't know, in, in, in a way of like survival in, in some form, you know, it's like, you're, we've you're spoken like, about this um, before, like you don't exist if you don't spread your message. Or... Right. And it, like, also everybody lives in a different part of the world, literally like geographically, uh, mentally, culturally, different perspectives. And you're kind of sharing yours in a way that it, people who relate to you or from where you're from, or they just share a lot of interest or, or, or personality traits. Um, you connect with them by just talking about your ideas, like, because they relate to so much of, of how you think and what mm. you value that you, you're kind of speaking to them. You're not necessarily speaking, you're speaking to a broader audience, but like some people are really latching on, but it's also reporting like, this is the benefit or this is what's going on on the network from this vantage point, this node on the network here right, is reporting the status, right? Mm. Yeah. It's like, it, that is like a visual for me. Like you spread your message and you sort of like gather energy from spreading that message. Right. Or, yeah. Energy of the people who are listening to in, in a way. Yeah. And you're also just kind of broadcasting uh, proof of life, proof of activity, um, interesting and instead it's working in your although that's that's obviously a question the... with uh ai coming in right sure uh but that's a good question that you started off with this so I, to ask business cat would be i heard in your last one of your last episodes of rock paper bitcoin that um you decided you kind of had certain political views you kind of lost touch with that ideology so to speak and kind of become more apolitical but you wanted to stand up for your values and kind of make your presence and allegiance known in the what you call the culture war mm. is that is that a big motivation of why you decided to start yeah broadcasting yeah. 
that really is a big part of what it boils down to. So getting my voice out there was my way of stepping off the sidelines of the culture war. It's like we, uh, I listen to Tim Pool occasionally and he, he talks about the importance of building our culture and building a, building a counterculture away from what is being shoved down mainstream media's throats. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, not having anything to say. I mean, I've, it's kind of a brutal thing to say in hindsight, but I like, I think I was a pretty like kind of an NPC mindset for a lot of my, a lot of my life. Sure. Sure. Um, yeah, I was consuming content and uh, not really processing it or re- and regurgitating it. I was just kind of taking the taking things that I heard that other people said that I enjoyed and I thought other people would like. And then I got really good at having like something chambered, re- ready to go as a response for any kind of sure. situation or something that people would say. A snarky and, response, right? Yeah, a snarky response, a, th- a thing, a thing. Yeah, just like chambered and ready to go. And yeah, that ultimately will put you in positions when you get presented with a, a situation that you're not prepared for that can really <laughs> leave you leave you hanging out to dry and yeah. i had a couple situations that kind of made me realize some areas that i was lacking in my uh personal development and that forced me to work on those that's great. and yeah that that's so great. Yeah, downstream of that now i'm realizing like oh i actually do have a few things to say um i have opinions that deviate quite a bit from people around me and it's like, yeah, in, in Bitcoin, like the only thing that maximalists agree on is Bitcoin. Like we disagree on so, pretty much everything else other than Bitcoin. And like, I think that we, we should, we should lean into that. Yeah. What, what was it when you, you said you're almost like an NPC, it was Bitcoin part of the obviously process that started to make you reflect inwardly or to question things at a little bit more of a deeper seems, level seems like it started it was... earlier than that yeah it, it started earlier than that okay. bitcoin yeah. bitcoin was a big step in sovereignty and personal sovereignty and kind of like making me realize oh i need to be an adult and step up and take care like if i'm going to want to be an adult i need to take care of my my money as well as other aspects of my life and bitcoin helped me conquer that area of my life but really the uh, npc mindset started earlier than that. I mean, it was getting out of the Air Force and realizing that uh, I want to try smoking weed. I want to try psychedelics. I've heard things about these. And yeah, that kind of rang my bell in a way that it had not been rung before and made me realize that there was a there there that Mm I, yeah. And I can relate to that for sure. Air Force, psychedelics, all that, you know, changing mindsets. Um, I think there's a few veterans that have gone gone down this yeah. pathway. Yeah, I think you see. Yeah, we've talked about that before in the show, just how you kind of see the world differently when you go into the military and you start deploying and you go to these different countries and you kind of see the reality of what the war is, why it's being fought, what's continuing it, what the politics are behind it, even to a, a lesser extent just on the ground. But you get that firsthand experience and it just kind of starts to make you question things. Um, at least that was my experience. But I want to go back to kind of when we started this show, it was the, uh, I guess the insecurity of what, what do I have to say? Like what, who's going to benefit from me listening to my thoughts on anything, right? Like there's a million, like you said, a bazillion podcasts out there. What, what is my voice? Well, you know, I got over that. But the second thing was if I was going to do it and I was going to say what I really felt or what I really thought, and I was going to put that out there under my, you know, not a pseudonym, 
you know, there was the worry about how's that going to be perceived? How's this going to affect my reputation, my professional career, all that stuff, like when it comes down to it. So having the the courage or the conviction to say it and kind of having to find that conviction inside yourself to, before you put it out there, do you have that? Do you have that? Do you have a similar experience where you're like, do I express these potentially controversial opinions? Am I ready to, to back that up? That started. Yeah, that started. I, I started expressing those opinions sooner than I should have. I mean, I still had a day job at the time I was uh, doing cybersecurity work for Deloitte and having, I had, I was starting to have some pretty controversial opinions in, uh, in the office environment that I was working in pre COVID. <laughs> and yet, I mean, this, this was downstream of Bitcoin. So, I mean, I, I was starting, like I, I was learning how mon the monetary policy of, of our country works in, in tandem with the monetary policies of other central banks and kind of having the wool ripped off my eyes on that. And I was not shy about expressing, oh, well, the company that we're working for is very close to the money printers. And like, mm -hmm. we have, like the reason we are, we are as successful as we are is because we sell services to the people that print the money. And that started, yeah, that, that worked. I mean, it, it was, it didn't cause issues for a while because I mean, I was just talking to other people, my, my uh, general area and they kind of, I just got to be like everybody who's into Bitcoin in a corporate environment becomes known as that guy. Yeah, in sure. Space. Yeah. yeah. I was that guy in the 2017, 2018, really 2019 uh, range until yeah, sure. I really started peel, like turn, turning that dial down around 2019. Um, but yeah, I go I I go in waves back of like the uh, it's like I must tell everybody about this. Then I I say too much. I need to pull it back. And so I don't have a day job anymore. I mean, I'm a full time stay at home dad now, and I'm a I consider myself I'm a Bitcoin ambassador for the area, but. Uh, having the the podcast available as a way to get my thoughts out there was that probably would have been a step that I should have taken when I was in the corporate America. I, I probably would have done better there and uh, not hastened my way out the door. Had I gotten these thoughts out, out my right. out, out of podcast rather than in the office. I think, well, uh, we all need time to cook, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right. This is true. I, so I think I, I have similar feelings about that. And I was that guy to a certain extent, although I, I kind of dialed it back pretty early. I was like, listen, I guess some of these people don't want to hear this, but the people who do, they usually give me some sort of signal or I, I drop something as a hint and they, they latch onto it. I'm like, all right, this person's receptive to what I'm talking about. We usually have like similar thoughts, but the other thing was, you know, back to the culture war thing, which is so obviously like permeate or permeates all of our lives at every, every part of politics, every part of marketing, Twitter, anything is it, the culture war now or some variation of it. Um, and I think there's what you think or what you support on each side of the culture war is kind of unique depending on your perspective, where you're from, where you live. Um, and I kind of just want to, instead of I mean, there's certain sides that you have to take, but to kind of stand up and say like the, the changes that are going to come to society or to our communities, right. Are like, it's not going to be settled at the ballot box. And I think that the standing up and, and having the, the courage to say, this is what I believe. This is how I'm going to live my life. I'm not going to hurt anybody else. And if you try to um, come at me for how I live and how I decide to 
be, or, you know, express myself, you're going to fail. I'm not going to back down. Now let me live my life and stay, stay out of my way and don't, don't fuck with me. Cause you can't, I won't let you right. Like it's, and I think there's a lot more of that needed. Cause I think whether you disagree or agree with a lot of the different, you know, agendas or whatever going on right now, you mix and match. You have, everybody's got a different view on them. I think I was living Instead of trying with to, that mind. Yeah. I think I was living with that mindset like internally for a while, for a while, um, right. but afraid, afraid to express it to the world mm-hmm. that uh, yeah, I'm, I'm willing to stand up and defend my family. I like, I'm, I'm willing to be a man kind of that mindset. Right. And yeah, at some point you're, you can't hide that anymore. It's like, you got, you got to take your, don't, don't hide your light under a bushel. Right. Exactly. Um, Mike, what's that? What's it like? I mean, yeah, I live in the Midwest and you live in, like you said, central Pennsylvania. So I think there's a certain, if you want to put everybody under one Bitcoin umbrella, um, but it's like, it tends to be conservative a lot of ways. What's it like living in California like that? Well, like any major city, there's, you know, there's a lot of liberal things going on in, in very, you know, hot cities like New York, LA, Austin, all these places, you're typically going to find more liberal people, I would imagine. But when you go, when you go to the outskirts of the major cities in California, you will likely find more people that want to respect property rights, want to vote Republican, you know, think about own weapons, own guns, for instance, uh, all all the sort of you know the ways that we we think about the the south of america of of usa like this sort of you know republican gun-toting truck driving persona (laughs) that exists very similar to pennsylvania yeah Yeah, i mean so philadelphia pittsburgh and uh, the state college penn state in the center are yeah very liberal areas even where i'm i'm in the harrisburg area i'm not in harrisburg i'm i'm in one of the satellite communities around harrisburg but i mean even here there's quite a few like um i mean there's there's a lot of ukraine flags and a lot of uh, mm-hmm. a lot of like a lot of pe- people self-identifying in ways that really reveal their political leanings sure. um but th- yeah then you step outside and it's the opposite I and mean, then you're driving around you see it like a tractor coming down the road so uh, mm-hmm. it's like it's I mean, there's good people everywhere. You just have to find the people that are willing to put their heads up and identify as Bitcoiners. For sure. Um, so you said you kind of said you're a stay-at-home dad. Uh, how old are your kids? And I, I guess the reason I'm asking is, do you have you know, a lot of time during the day, it sounds like, to spend time thinking about Bitcoin? Or do you have also the chance, do you like talk about it with your kids? So my daughter is going to be two next month. And then my son <laughs> okay. is going to be, he'll, he'll be born in August. So yeah, we're about Amazing. to have number two. Yeah. Yeah. We're excited. Um, so no, we, we haven't, re- I haven't had the Bitcoin talk with my daughter. Um, she, <laughs> she repeats the word Bitcoin. Um, she has, she has several Bitcoin clothing items, but uh, yeah, no, we haven't had that talk yet. So do you, uh, during your day when you're at home, like, are you listening to podcasts? Are you, I, th- I think you're a minor too, right? Like, are you you're just able to manage the, the, the parent duties and then just spend the rest of the time? 
thinking about it? Pretty much. I mean, yeah. The okay. so I, I listen to a lot of podcasts. So my daughter listens to a lot of podcasts. She's uh she's picking up a lot of interesting terms from podcasts that she, definitely not terms she's getting from Sesame Street. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so like yeah, my day job is taking care of taking care of the kid. My my wife still works her day job, um, which which is nice for the health insurance. But we haven't had to switch over to uh, Crowd Health yet. But I mean that day is coming at some point. The, yeah. But yeah, so my, my day consists of, yeah, it's taking care of the kid. I take care of the property. I mean, there's there's plenty to do around the house. Uh, and then, yeah, I've got the, the miners going in the basement. I've got my workshop in the basement. I've got, I'm busier now than I was when I had a job. It's just, I'm busy now with like my yeah. projects versus yeah. the projects from like a task manager. So do you find yourself thinking more about the the technical mechanic or you know the technical side of bitcoin you, you said you run you got a workshop you got miners it looks like you've got all kinds of computers um in the development side or do you also or maybe more so it's get more into the hardware like the, philo- the philosoph- philosophical side or just like what this abstract idea means for the world i mess around with a lot of hardware stuff uh and and what about like the the, the abstract the philosophical side the um what does bit how does bitcoin change this or fix this like that those kind of abstract ideas do you spend oh, yeah, a lot of time but yeah that's unavoidable i mean yeah, yeah you can't i don't know how anybody could hold bitcoin and not inevitably go down those thought right. trains what's uh what's a what's a rabbit hole you've been kind of going down maybe recently so i mean we we talk the same similar rabbit holes that we discussed last time so i mean yeah figure, weaponizing waste heat is like it's forcing me to become a better engineer it's like i'm not an engineer i mean i'm i don't think of myself as an engineer but i mean like i'm having to become one just to scratch the itch of like being better at using the resources i have in the basement it's like yeah so weaponizing waste heat is is a big one that i've been really enjoying uh and then all so yeah uh, i i just remembered we spoke about uh, we spoke about night and all last time yes yeah, I mean, yeah, Night and All is uh, has a lot of interesting possibilities for for revolutionizing a- areas of mining right now. But we can talk about that. But yeah, one of the other yeah. rabbit holes I'm I'm into yeah is Bitcoin astronomy, and yeah, looking at okay. how looking at how we're gonna use Bitcoin to scale out into the solar system and potentially beyond that. Um, I'm I'm a big fan of space and like rocket launches and space flight and all that stuff. So I play I've okay. thousands and thousands of hours into Kerbal Space Program. Have, so Bitcoin. I, 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 yeah. I have never thought about that. What what does that entail? I don't even remember heard this term. You, yeah. Can you expand on how Bitcoin would help us? Yeah. How does how are those two connected? All heat on the moon and on Mars, it's going to be electric heat. Um, all, all of these things, places, any, any any heat application is going to be electric heat. And so inevitably, there's the longest and most cost-effective thing to to way to make heat is with a Bitcoin miner. Even if you're going to haul that Bitcoin miner out of our gravity well up to another gravity well, it's still going to be the most cost-effective way to do it. Um, you can you could easily hash on the moon. The moon is close enough that um, the time of light, speed of light delay 
you wouldn't have any issues there. You could totally do it. Um, Mars is going to be harder. Right. Um, because, yes. Yeah, so what, the, what, the what's that all about? The latency. Yeah. So the, the latency uh, issue. It's like, it's one of the reasons why you see, you, oh, Elon acquiring Twitter. Twitter will be a really useful communication medium for communicating beyond this gravity well. It's like you post a message and it just goes out into the Twitter sphere and eventually it reaches all the uh, people that are following you. Um, you can't really do that with Bitcoin mining. You need a back and forth communication. So like you could take a Bitcoin miner to Mars, um, but even at the best situation, when the Earth, Earth and Mars are the closest in their orbits, um, you have, still have a speed of light um, communication delay of a couple minutes. So inevitably, like if you found a valid block and somebody in the center of hashback on Earth found a block, found another valid block before yours was communicated back, they could outcompete you and outcompete your block. Right. So right. yeah, I, there's, and then that's so, the center of but, gravity for hash. You're right. Yes. Right. Yeah. It's like yeah, so yeah. and. Like the center of hash is like as you get outside of the gravity well, like the the speed of light, the time it takes to communicate with that miner um, gets longer and longer, and that makes you less and less competitive as yeah, a yeah. mining entity on the network. Um, but then there's also the uh, the other issues of I mean mining and it's one thing to think about like it's fun to think about capturing an asteroid and just covering it in solar panels and suck, sucking in all the power you can. Um, like all this, all the side that faces the sun, solar panels, all the side that faces away from the sun, um, heat radiators to get rid of the excess heat. But even then, like if you're mining, the amount of heat you're generating is it's just it's you can't mine Bitcoin outside of in a vacuum like that. It's like it's mm -hmm. just, it, you create too much goddamn heat. Uh, so you're going to have to come up with other ways to do that. But ultimately, it's I think just Bitcoin mining is going to be an earthbound activity. But anyways. <laughs> All no, of that I, is too, that's I, dipping your toes into Bitcoin astronomy. No, well, that's a beautiful thought. I mean, I've never even heard anything like this. It's just, it makes me think like uh, when I, I always, we always talk about gravity and, and physics and everything, but I just see about if you could spread the message faster or if you're on earth basically, and that's where all the hash power is and everyone else is trying to communicate outward from that. It's, it's feels like this sort of gravity away from earth. And you said the center of gravity physically, you know, it's just, it's a cool thought. Mm -hmm. Do you think in the future, if we if we colonize Mars, that it would be more appropriate to simply start a new chain for Mars? Fuck no. Interesting. I'll, no. Okay. We'll, we'll go to war over that. Interstellar that's, that's war. Was, over. Okay. So no. Was... As so probably somebody's going to try that. Um, it, it would be, it'll be easier the farther you get. So like maybe maybe Enceladus or out like a, a moon of Saturn or Jupiter or something, you'd have an easier time trying to. Uh, bootstrap your own blockchain but really once you hit a critical mass of humans out there i mean it's gonna go back to bitcoin it's you're gonna like people on mars are gonna use bitcoin P they're just gonna wait more confirmations for mm -hmm. their sure. if they're operating sense. on main chain there's gonna mm -hmm. wait more confirmations but they'll just be using layer twos they'll be mm -hmm. using lightning or mm -hmm. other things like once you have those channels open you don't need to mm -hmm. be referencing back to the main chain all the time so you can spend a couple like wait a day or two from saturn to open a lightning channel and then you can operate with your lightning channel on saturn wow the growth that you're describing is like wow 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 that's a human that feels like a human race that's well it's i guess it's like it, we'd be evolving by this time but there was a imagine, while you know, there was a while that i i was considering that the reason to colonize another gravity well is to bootstrap the blockchain on that gravity well because whoever mm. gets there first gets to gets to monopolize wow, that wow but really like the more i think about it i think that's 
that's going to be the driving factor to get us out of this solar system. I don't think that another blockchain long-term, like on a, a thousand year basis, I don't think multiple blockchains can exist in our solar system. I think there's going to be wars over it. And I think a lot of humans are going to die over it. Um, but ultimately, yeah, the, Bitcoin is the blockchain for our solar system. And then, you know, once, even though it's not a practical matter, especially not in our lifetimes, but eventually Earth's going to run out of cheap energy and then the, the, the blockchain is going to need energy from other planets to keep going. Like the gravity well, the hash, the hash center, right, is Earth for now. And it would be, it will be for a very long time. But, you know, hundreds of years, thousands of years, tens of thousands of years, uh, that could change. I mean, that you find a cheap energy source on Mars, mm -hmm. it's cheaper. You could, over time, maybe I'm wrong about this, but this is how I'm thinking about it. Like the hash center moves to Mars, it propagates. No, you're, it, yeah. it, your brain is going down that rabbit hole now. And I'm mm -hmm. so look scavenging our solar system for cheap energy. So we have, we come across Enceladus Enceladus is, uh, is going around. I believe it's Saturn. That's Enceladus is the moon of Saturn. I believe anyway, it's either Saturn or Jupiter, uh, but that's not important. So Enceladus is being squeezed and deformed as it's be, as it's going around mm -hmm. its tiny tight little orbit. And so because of that, it's spraying water off into the, uh, into the upper atmosphere um, and we actually have, we have some plans to fly a, uh, fly some kind of spacecraft through one of those jet streams to test what's in it. And that's the way we can potentially find like carbon and find organics that like, this is a way that we could find if there's life on Enceladus without actually landing on Enceladus, which is much harder than just getting an orbiter there. So this, this planetoid or this moon is being stressed and compressed so much that it's spraying water out into like, uh, out of the atmosphere. So way, 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 way out there. So like that amount of energy could be harnessed. There, there's a lot of energy out there, even on our planet, the, the energy yeah. that, that we could be harnessing is that we're, we're not taking advantage of even a fraction of it. Are you familiar with the Kardashev scale? No. So the Kardashev scale is the question of where is everybody? Um, okay. Yeah. So like on a, or excuse me, that's some, that's the Drake equation. The, uh, the Kardashev scale is, so a type one is like taking, it's classifying okay, yes. civilizations. Yes. So a, a type one yes. Kardashev civilization is a civilization that is using, it is taking advantage of all of the power available on, I think it's their planet. Then type two is they're taking advantage of all of the power available in their local solar system. Type three is their galaxy. And type four is like a god-like entity that controls all the power in the galaxy. Um, okay. <laughs> and so, yeah, humans are like a 0.4 maybe. Like we're, we're not, yeah, we're, we're getting up there. We're figuring out how to harness the energy available on our planet, but we're not even close to harnessing all of it yet. So. Right. Yeah, like once you think about like yeah, the Kardashev scale ties directly into Bitcoin mining because all of that power could be could be weaponized for Sats. Interesting. Um, so, God, I don't know how to how to answer formulate my next question. Go ahead if you got something, Mike. I'm trying to come up with words. Oh man, no. This uh, what basically I'm just sort of like walking through this world that you just built for me and and i start to think about the these wars that might happen i start to think uh about the timeline of humanity like how short of a time frame that we're in right now as a we think that we're so far advanced but 
to to have settlements on what's this fucking moon <laughs> that sprays Saladus. Um, to, and to go beyond that, to go out of the solar system and harness the solar system's power, you know, what kind of civilizations are these uh, that can do this? It just feels like that, that's millions of years away from me. Um, I agree. And so, but I, that's why I wanted to bring the question back down to earth, so to speak. Uh, when you talk about <laughs> gravity wells, and I don't think I've used that term before, but I think we've talked about how like places like El Salvador or just places that are where Bitcoin adoption is high. Sometimes they're kind of on the, the edges instead of the center of the economic mass in the, in the, in the world, but how, how these little edge cases, these little micro nations and, and cities and just communities that are uh, more and more densely packed with Bitcoiners, like how they could become the gravity wells of economic energy mm -hmm. in human society on earth. It's me gravity wells of cultural energy too. I mean, right. Bitcoiners are going to be the ones who are setting the trend lines for culture. Right. I, I, I think I agree with that. I think we've talked a little bit about the big, you know, Venice or whatever the concept that Venice was this gravity well of power in its time. And it was not military. It was not, um, violence it was culture it was the dominant culture that that made them so strong and i think that there's going to be part culture which i guess is inseparable from money but um that these new it's going to suck all the productive energy out of the fiat most fiat dense enclaves and it's going to suck all that energy out literally and, and metaphorically and it's going to kind of create this new these, when you call them citadels, city-states, these smaller, mm. uh, more decentralized centers of power. The balance, I mean, yeah, the centers of power are already changing. the The world is moving from a unipolar world to a multipolar world. It's like the the unipolar world that the world has depended on for stability for the past sixty years is falling apart, and like you don't have to look far to see that to see the other the other powers that are rising up to challenge the uh the american power that was and so yeah take el salvador for an example i mean it's already starting to become a meme in popular culture not even just bitcoin culture but popular culture that i'm well if everything goes to shit i'll run away to el salvador i've heard that me i've heard that said by people who aren't bitcoiners so it's already come it's already gotten to the point that el salvador is on people's minds as this is where potential freedom is it's like yeah i i'm very optimistic for el salvador um I, i'd love to see them how they how they sort out the bukele situation it's like it's great uh, a benevolent dictator is a great political solution as long as that dictator's in charge the, the question is what comes next after bukele um but it's like i'm yeah i'm confident that we are that they're moving in a positive direction this is the same thing talking about um an interstellar war, a blockchain war between mm -hmm. humans. And like, that's a soup. That's a scary thing to start thinking about. And it's possible yeah, that I, I, I see the scale there between those two things, by the way. Yeah. It's possible that ha the adoption of Bitcoin is what's going to bootstrap our species into our adolescent right, right now we're into our adulthood rather. It's like, this is, I'm quoting Gene Roddenberry, the, uh, the guy who did Star Trek. 
but it's like right now the the human species is in it we are we're in our adolescence we're we're angry we're emotional we're reacting to things without thinking about it and uh, it's like we we go to war over nothing and it's like if we don't destroy ourselves we're going to be we're going to grow up to be an amazing adults and mm-hmm. bitcoin may be the thing like looking at the people that it's impacted on a, on a case by case basis bitcoin turns people into greater like more competent adults than they were pr- previously it's like if you're already a pretty competent adult take bitcoin you're going to be better at it than you were pre bitcoin and if you're just right. a, like a little kid like i mean like i was a little kid in college who was like following bernie sanders thinking that socialism is the answer and that oh if people give me free shit like that this that'll fix things um and then enter bitcoin and i was forced to grapple with all of these preconceptions that i had about economics and about what value was and what value was in my life to me personally and what i found valuable uh like this is this is so as bitcoin reprograms humanity on like a grassroots level from the bottom up maybe it's going to be the thing that kicks us into adulthood and maybe we can skip out we can go straight to the star trek utopia of exploring the galaxy together of without violence not not the not the 2009 re- remake but like the original gene roddenberry version of we're yeah. all working together yeah and i think the idea that the you know it's common like the united states won't let bitcoin take over the dollar or like you know these everybody thinks in this uh, scenario or this world where there's this giant economic hegemon with the united states but as you said like we're kind of moving to a more multipolar world where there's not going to be that central dominating force over every all commerce in the world so they can enforce their currency it's gonna be china the united states sphere of influence the european sphere of influence the middle east sphere of influence and they aren't going to be able to unilaterally impose an economic system on anybody else nobody's going to be strong enough to do that so they're going to need a medium of exchange between these regional powers and these you know semi-global powers and it's you know they're probably going to try gold first and that's going to fail but eventually they're you know the best solution is bitcoin so far so when, and once we get that uh cooperation going where you can have your your cultural values your your regional way of doing things and still transact and still cooperate then you can start to look outward beyond the the, the globe we're on at some point the department of the navy is going to realize that the nation is better served taking taking the the dual nuclear reactors that are on every carrier that we have around the world right now taking those dual reactors and parking yeah. them just in dry dock and mining bitcoin with your with the carrier like at some point we're going to realize that universally that the, the, we as a species are better served you know, I mean, this this is moving into like Jason Lowry software territory, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, at some point, like this this that's the direction we're we're moving. Like these carriers aren't going to be patrolling the waters of the ocean forever. Right. Basically, all, it, all energy expensive. has to be pointed. All energy has to be pointed at Bitcoin. At all energy, area. all energy has to be used in the most efficient manner. To Got survive. it. Yeah, yeah, that's a better way. And the it. most efficient use, in many cases, if not most will be mining Bitcoin or securing that network. You know, like you said, those subs will be used for that. They'll 
you know, I was thinking you also say pull those subs in and start powering the cities with them, the coastal cities, the exporters, the defense. I mean, it's, yeah, it's at a certain point, the inflation, just the, the drag in the financial system of debt will make- Imagine if- yeah. Imagine if Hawaii declared independence and just took took those like uh, took a, a scattering of nuclear enabled uh, nuclear enabled watercraft and just parked those around Hawaii and just became the new hashing sensor of the planet. Like who, they're they're very far away. <laughs> like that's it'd be right. you could fuck with them from afar. I mean they're they're not they're not out of the range of a uh, nuclear tip missile. Benefit- but what yeah, yeah. what what would be the it would be so expensive to go attack Hawaii? Like what would you know? What would right. be the the incentive to do it? And that's what I'm that I think that's what's gonna start happening is that you're gonna have these people, like we talked about earlier, standing up and, and saying what you believe in. Well, that's gonna happen at the individual level, but that's gonna spread and be more uh community like level, mm. like states and and uh, countries that want to break free from each other, they're gonna start doing they're gonna say, We're independent, we've got our own energy source, we're using Bitcoin. And yeah, the the people who used to or the, you know, the countries that used to have those places as part of their control are not going to be happy that that happens, but it's going to be too expensive and too costly for them to, to try to hold that all together. And they're going to have to let it happen. Kind of like when the USSR broke apart. That's, that's where I'm going. Yeah. That's what I feel. And, and Rome, like as Rome fell apart, mm-hmm. I mean, they kept mm-hmm. sending out their orders to the vassal states and just slowly over time, the vassal states stopped paying attention to the, to the orders from right. Rome. And like, that's where we're at in, in America right now. Like, exactly. Texas and Florida are just slowly stopped paying attention to the orders of the federal government. The like Middle at some East. Point, yeah, right. When, when Biden or the US government or whoever's president, like they give the Middle East, they, they give Saudi Arabia these marching orders. And for the first time in at least decades, the they're just kind of like, okay, that's nice. That's your opinion. We're not doing that. Yeah, and France that's, that's, sides yeah. with China over with economic activity. It's it's right. amazing seeing how things are the dominoes are falling now. It's like, yeah, who how wants to? Do, how fast does that happen? What's the does that unfold? And this is where I'm. <laughs> this is where I've been thinking about it. It's like, does this unfold into some sort of zombie apocalypse, or does it? It does it happen in some places? Yeah. I mean, in some places, it's unavoidable war, uh, lack of resources, fighting over food. In some places, much less so. It's it's not it's not universal, right? Like the revolution will occur, but it, it won't be it won't be, it'll be localized. It'll be happening in different places at different times. The culture war will erupt here before it erupts there. So it's not like like Texas is throwing nukes at California kind of thing. No, it's more like, in my opinion you won't really necessarily have like Texas and Florida secede. What you'll just have is the federal government will continually have less influence relative to the states that have the most uh, energy, oh. they have the most you know, economic power, the most cultural power. Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll just say, we're not doing that. And there's nothing the feds can do about it. And they'll stop trying. I could see states that have ideological differences that are borders. So like uh, California and Nevada, say, I could see border checkpoints being set up there. And 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 states like California mm. that have to import like all their nuclear energy and all their energy that they've deemed too dirty or not ESG friendly. It, the state just turns off the, the transmission lines across states. Um, there'll be problems. Like half the state of Oregon wants to secede and join Idaho. It's like, right. yeah, this is this is going to accelerate. 
and they may never actually succeed. They just may stop paying attention to anything. The what's the capital of Oregon? <laughs> or, uh, yeah, or Olympia, Eugene. I don't know. That's that's it, Eugene. Eugene. Yeah. Eugene. The orders of Eugene just won't apply anymore. If there's a mask mandate in Portland, you won't see it in uh, in Eastern Oregon. Like, imagine if Texas just adopts Bitcoin as legal tender. Right. It's like the, the feds send out their orders, but it's like the, the way that the feds have always gotten compliance with their orders is, you know, they, they pay you to, to yes. comply. So right. yeah, states that age, are... Yeah, make the age 21 to drink or you don't get highway money. Make, uh, you know, the DUI level, move it from point zero or point 0.1 to point zero 0.08 where you don't get highway money. That's how they've done it pretty much. Yeah, time. exactly. Yeah. But I mean, so like some some of us are aren't paying attention already, and like yeah, so like on an individual level, you stop paying attention to federal federal rules and regulations. Then like slowly, that will filter up to a governor who is not paying attention to rules and regulations. Yeah, this is just yeah. a slow. It's a grassroots phenomenon. But it also won't happen linearly because they just hired eighty thousand IRS agents, so they're gonna they're still gonna try to come get their tax money is fewer and fewer people pay probably what they the government thinks they owe that'll uh, be the you, biggest thing you know, the the tax they'll start losing tax revenue and or the money they're printing just won't be as enticing to people i think that's where that's what it feels like more right there yeah their money is already not enticing to me Right. It's like looking at their money. It's like, I, yeah, it's, it's monopoly money. Like it's hard to, you can't even take it seriously anymore. Mm -hmm. so it's, pe it's, people still want it. So it's like, all right, mm -hmm. you can have it. People like us are like the, that spring leak in like the hose, right? Like if you ever had a garden hose and it's got this tiny leak and there's like just a little bit spraying out, it can go like that for a while, but then another one pops out and before you know it, the whole thing fails, but it's, you know, kind of the gradually then suddenly uh, meme, right? It's... For a long time, I've been I've been saying like everybody thinks they're late when they get to Bitcoin. I thought I was late when I bought my first Bitcoin in 20, 2012. Motherfuckers uh, on Saladus don't even have it yet. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's like this is how we're, I was like it's like everybody has like everybody thinks they're late, but I think we're finally now getting to the point where like I think we're actually now general getting into gen the general adoption phase where I think I can now start to actually believe that oh people are actually late now. Yeah. And it's, I think, harkening back to the topic we were discussing earlier in the show, we talk about that leak and you talk about that. At first, it's us not paying attention to the orders from the from D.C. And then it's a governor and then it's some senators. Right. We're the deciding to speak our minds here. We're just in public, however, is kind of that first group or that first wave of people saying, hey, we're not doing it this way anymore but you can still transact with us. We can still trade with us. You can still share a community with us, but we're just not going to pay so much attention to what's coming from this, you know, Emerald city, thousands of miles away from us. They don't, they don't have as much influence over us anymore. You can come join. And you, I don't really care how you think, how you live your life. Hmm. If you, if you are respectful and you, I can trust you, and you, you know, we can, Oper we can be interoperable in our lives in this community, regardless of what they say. Yeah. I, I don't care about your genetics. I don't care about your skin color. I don't care about what's dangling between your legs or not. Like I care that your Bitcoin node sends Bitcoin to my Bitcoin node. Like if our nodes can talk, then we're good. 
Right. That, that's exactly. the extent of my, my discrimination of my counterparty. It's like Bitcoin. Oh, yeah, dude. Um, well, before we wrap it up. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I wanted to ask Dan, actually, because Dan sent me this interesting chat oh, yeah. GPT uh, yeah. res- response, and I kind of wanted to talk yeah, about yeah, yeah. Dan. If so you this, this kind of this kind of connects with what we were talking about i guess maybe with interplanetary but just how bitcoin's going to change things through time but you tweeted something about the uh, the akashic record which is this concept of a non-physical existing in the ether some sort of record that captures every human experience every perspective every event every thing experienced i guess by a conscious being it's in this Akashic record, which is kind of a theoretical, mythical uh, concept. Do you, oh, it's quite I, real. Uh, okay, okay. That's where I wanted to go with this. How, how do you see it? So the Akashic records are an... Inter- so so let me put the big asterisk at the beginning of this. Th- this is all going to be filtered through human words, which there we go. don't do justice. So like, I'm, I'm going to use words that unless you know what I'm talking about, you're not going to grasp, like this is going to go past most people's heads. But like now that I've given that, given that um, asterisk. Um, so the Akashic Records are a multidimensional uh, Wikipedia, essentially. They're, they're a record of everything that's ever that ever happened, everything that's happening, and everything that can ever happen. Um, and these are records that were... So Akashic is a Sanskrit word. These were introduced to the West in, the, I believe, it was the, the 1900s um, by a guy who learned about them from Tibetan monks. And the idea is that anybody who wants who wants to take the time to learn how to access them can't. Like it's it's like Bitcoin. Bitcoin is anybody that wants to participate in the network can. Same thing with the Akashic Records. Anybody that wants to take the time to learn how to tune in and hit the right frequency to access these records um, can access these records and interact with them. And I into like I, I didn't know what they were like I I didn't even know what the word Akashic records were until I accessed them purely by chance on a, on a mushroom trip and it's like what like and then coming back trying to process what I had experienced I was like forced to go out like what the hell was this Wikipedia article like this thing that I accessed and that's I found like okay people talking about this they're ta- the Akashic records that's what people are talking about um, and yeah so. Like, okay so yeah that, that tweet like the... i believe i was i was kind of making a joke with that tweet saying that oh you could if i was uh, leaving a leaving a uh, reference in the akasha records i would leave it at an obvious uh url location like that like the boiling point of water or something like that mm-hmm. so okay yeah that kind of reminds me of the of the of like what like you said the tweet you made so i was it got me thinking like do does the transmission or the 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 signal that this this, this akashic records that you, you you've accessed right that people whether it's through meditation through psychedelic trips through these different paths they access these records do you think that there's like this signal is like bleeding over that sometimes you're just like tuning into it for a brief moment in time and you get an idea from the ether. So it's, it's, it's almost like not even a creative idea of like, you just took an idea that existed and it came to you through 
tapping into this? Or do you think that it's a something that you have to dig through to get tapped into it? You have to go through some sort of experience, some suffering, some, some sort of ritual to get to them. I mean, it's open to, every, to anyone. So, I mean, you, you don't have sure. to go through any, any type of initiation ritual or sure. suffering to do this. I mean, it's, you sit silently focusing on your breath long enough. I mean, it's you're that that's the first step in that direction. Um, I, I lost my how, train of how thought. Do, how no. do you know if you're there at the Akasha? That's a good, that's a good question too. It's because um, I, how do you, how do you know like that this. you're in sunlight? How do you, how do you know that the sun is out? Self, it's, it's just self. It's self. Yeah. Event. It's like, how do you know that you're awake? How do you know? It's one of the, like, um, it's not necessarily, I, I can't, I can't say can't in words, put it how, into like, words. Yeah. Yeah, you right. will know, like, like, how did you know that you grasped Bitcoin when you had your orange, when you had your, you had your light bulb moment? I, like I it, still was, don't it was, it was self-evident. Yeah. So that makes me want to talk to Brandon quit him again on here. Cause he, he went to one of these monk retreats and I think it was Nepal and he's had to sit in this like room alone in silence and they they didn't talk to each other for like a week there was no utterances but he said that his ability to just tune in to his surroundings to control his mind to control what he felt his experiences uh he said it was just like he didn't it's not even something he did with his body he would just in his mind just decide something right and i think that there's you get to that level that you're tapping into something you're it's almost like you find like a a cipher uh, to like the, the 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 tablets of uh the, the dead sea scrolls that yeah like that let us translate those right like you're translating the what's going on around you in the physical realm just into experiences and into perspectives there's definitely some crossover between Akashic records and the, like the concept of a muse or uh, yeah, yes. where, where does creativity come from? Um, it's a, it's a similar kind of, kind of harmonic that you're, you're tuning into like any, anybody that is creative, like you ask like, Oh, where did you get that? That idea is like, I, like, I, I don't, it came to me like out of nowhere. Like it, it's like, it was obvious. It seemed obvious to me. It's just, it came from somewhere from, from the ether out there. And like, I'm not going to claim that all ideas come from, from the Akashic records. Um, but like they're, they're a thing that I, I have to acknowledge because having, having stepped into them, it's like, I can't having like used them as, as really as I'm talking to you guys right now, it's like, I, I can't ignore them anymore. I can have, I can definitely have a hard time classifying them and describing them to people who have never accessed them. Um, but like, this is a, I think really getting into like my, like, I mean, it's, I guess it's not conspiracy theory, but if I had to speculate about what the Akashic records are, I would, I, I would guess that the Akashic records are a legacy technology left over from a previous high, high um, so like high civilization. Um, we know that I uh, said so getting into like the Graham Hancock stuff and the, uh, um, the cataclysm that happened 10,000 years ago and like humanity was essentially wiped out and was restarted the civilization that came before that that cataclysm was very likely from the evidence that i've seen put forward a psychedelic based civilization so it's entirely possible that all of their technology and all of their all of the development that they put into their um society was developing psychedelic technologies and psychedelic tools in the way that we have harnessed uh, 
iron ore and silver and gold and and created this uh, metal technology to to move one silicon around and move ones and zeros. Uh, I, I, I my guess is that the Akashic Records is a legacy technology that was created by a previous civilization that we can that is still around i mean they created it it's going to exist forever there in what we consider our consideration of what time is and it's something that we can still tie into um yeah i think the way i'm thinking about it now is the ability to use technology to harness or make it gain access to these records on a more dependable basis because it's like there's the quote that any technology that's sufficiently advanced is indistinguishable from magic but i would mm -hmm. i would tweak that and say that any technology sufficiently advanced is uh indistinguishable from a psychedelic ego death trip you know what i mean like it's, it can be so blown so crazy and so different that it completely changes your mind like changes the way you think changes everything about your um habits etc right or it has the power to and i think that bitcoin is is something like that and i think that the further you follow it um the more powerful like the more of a psychedelic trip it kind of is literally it's, it's like a, a lens journey. that changes the journey yeah another uh, technology that's out there that is like an ancient lost technology that is very real is are you familiar with uh dmt ecoroses yes uh, so like ayahuasca Icaros, like an Icaros yeah. is a technology. This is a man-made crafted technology to communicate information that yeah. until you are under the influence of a psychedelic, like your brain is oblivious to this technology. But then what, right. whenever you, whenever your brain clicks into the right configuration and you, you experience it, you realize, oh, this is a technology that humans have crafted over time. And it's just right. Yeah, so a society that has different priorities is it can, will go different ways with their creative energies. But yeah, like so experiencing um, ecoroses and experiencing um, the Akasha records personally, it's like it's like experience. Once you experience that psychedelic like moment, there's no going back. It's like the Bitcoin moment. There's no going back once you wrap right. your mind around Bitcoin. It's a one directional hash function. Yeah, literally. Yeah, it's got a gravity well. Yeah, right. There's no escape in the gravity. Once you get sucked into that black hole, once you cross that that uh, event horizon. Oh yeah. Um. All right, business cat. So, this is your chance to uh, to leave us any parting thoughts and chill and let us know how people can find uh, your podcast or just listen to you, your perspective on Bitcoin as you elucidate it for the listeners. Well, sure. Uh if I had a message that I want to, that I want to get out there is that it's like, we got this, like, like, don't worry guys. Like, like the world is falling apart, but like, we're going to win. Like Jesus wins in the end. Like we got this. Yeah. It's like, keep your heads up and like, keep a smile on your face and keep, keep walking. Like when you're going through hell, keep walking. Keep don't, don't stop. Uh, if people want to follow me, they can, uh, they can follow me on Twitter. It's a, I am underscore business underscore cat on Twitter. Um, I'm on Noster too, but, I have no idea how to tell you my NPUB key here. So just it's on it's on my Twitter profile if you want to follow me on Noster. Um, and then yeah, the 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 podcast is Rock Paper Bitcoin. Uh, and if if you use Fountain, listen to us on Fountain because then you can shoot us some sats occasionally. It's a great show too. You guys are really really um, great. Too. I think it's a great duo. Thank you. Thank you very For much. Sure. Yeah.
definitely want to get fundamentals on here and talk to him. So that'll be my next reach out. He'll be very excited to hear that. Nice. Cool, guys. All right. I think we'll uh, call it a night. All right. Thanks again for listening to the High Hash Rate Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at High Hash Rate, or you can hit up Dan at Heartland Bitcoin, H-R-T-L-N-D Bitcoin, or myself, Mike, at Run Dance Bitcoin. That's all one word, Run Dance Bitcoin. If you're a fellow pleb or you just want to shoot the shit with two high Bitcoiners, reach out to us. Holy Toledo!